Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So our text today is a parable Jesus told, a realistic parable with some extreme numbers in terms of the debt owed by the servant to the king, to the master, the big guy. He owed 10,000 talents. One talent at that time was 73 pounds of silver or 6,000 denarii. And he owed 10,000 talents. One talent was worth 16 years of wages. A denarii was one day's wage. He basically lost, through his misuse or whatever he did, maybe gambling, 160,000 years wages for a normal worker at that time for his boss, and his boss forgave him. Then a fellow worker who owed him 100 denarii, that's 100 days wages. That's significant, right? He wouldn't forgive him. And he lost the benefit of enjoying his master's forgiveness to be tormented till the debt was paid. And Jesus said, so will my father do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. We're going to talk today on honoring forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big deal. We're going to learn that forgiveness is actually Christianity 101. This is actually milk. And it's a timely word and yet a timeless word, always in order to reflect on these truths. Some try to explain it away. 
they're going to have to stand before the Lord for that. You were sitting in a house that I believe forgiveness had a hand in it being built. In the mid-'80s, Ken and Barbara Smith moved into one of our subdivisions, Western Hills Harbor at 788 Hidden Valley. They built a little gray house, three-bedroom, two-bath, with a great room that had the kitchen and living area all combined and then a wing off to the left when you walk in the door. That's where this church was born. The story is they bought this land, they moved here to retire, they lived in an RV till they got their house built. And then over the process of time, they started a series of prayer meetings that, to make a long story short, eventually became the congregation. So they hosted the early meetings of this congregation. Now, midway through building that house, they ran out of money. So Ken's father gave them the money to finish the house. So Ken Smith's father, Barbara Smith's father-in-law, yes, this church was born in a Ken and Barbie house, Help finish the house where the prayer meetings began in the next few years. Now, what's significance about that? Well, Ken's parents divorced when he was a little boy. And he wasn't big enough really to remember his father, and he never heard anything good about his dad. He saw him once in his childhood from a distance across a church at a funeral. His grandparents cut his father no slack. His mother never spoke ill of him, although she never remarried. So Ken grew up hating his father. Years later, when his children were just about grown, Ken and Barbara agreed that Ken needed to reach out to his father, and he wrote a detailed letter expressing his desire to reconcile and asking for his father's forgiveness for the bitterness that he had in his heart and he mailed the letter to his dad. His dad immediately wrote one back, said, no, I'm the one that needs to apologize to you. Make a long story short, they reconciled. And Ken gained some siblings out of that that he didn't know personally because of this tragedy that happened in his young boyhood. Years later, his father's wife died, and he remarried Ken's mama. And his father's children fell in love with her. She was a single parent throughout Ken's childhood and into his adulthood as a grandma. She's reunited with the love of her life. The other wife had passed. And in their later years, they gave Ken and Barbara the money to finish the house. In their later years, their children through Ken's father's other marriage, helped take care of Ken's mother. As an only child, Ken would have had the full weight on his shoulders to help take care of her. So he was able to participate with a certain measure of freedom, the planting of a church. It all goes back to forgiveness. So we wouldn't be here today, probably, in this fashion, had he not reached out to his dad. The word forgiveness in Greek is a word ephesus. It denotes a dismissal, a release. It's used in the remission of sins or forgiveness. It's actually to cancel a debt. 
When someone hurts you, they owe you an apology. They owe you reparations. They owe you justice. But the problem is an obsession with justice comes real close and actually can cross over the line into vengeance where you would commit a greater offense than the offense that has hurt you. So that's the word forgiveness. It's a noun. As a verb, there's three forms of it in the Greek language. The word aphiomi, which means to send forth or to send away. To remit or forgive debts. These being completely canceled. Or sins. Remission of punishment due to sinful conduct. Deliverance of the sinner from sin's penalty. This is what Jesus did for us. He sent our sins away. Choosing to remember them no more. That's better than forgetting. You ever forget something and then you remember it? He chooses to not recall to mind our offenses. He cancels our debt. He paid a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe with the ultimate sacrifice, the giving of his son, which was the ultimate sin, the ultimate offense in all the world was the killing of that innocent man the Son of God. And yet, God used that as the payment for all the sin that's in the world. So the person you can't stand, their sins have been paid for by Christ. And we are to pray for those that despitefully use us and hurt us so that they can benefit from the cross and stop hurting people. Another Greek word is the word charizomai. You see the word charis in there, the word grace. Charizomai means to bestow a favor unconditionally. It's often used in the act of forgiveness. And then the word apoluo, which means to loose from, to release, to dismiss. The 1828 Webster's Dictionary says the word forgive means to pardon, to remit an offense or debt to overlook an offense and treat the offender as not guilty. You're not saying the sin is okay. You're just releasing them from their indebtedness to you. The original and proper phase is to forgive the offense, to send it away, to reject it. That is, not to impute it to the offender. Oh, if I told you what they did to me 25 years ago? You haven't sent it away. So today we're talking about honor and forgiveness. There are blessings in being forgiven. Who's grateful to be forgiven? Oh man, people have forgiven me of some horrible things, not to mention Almighty God, right? It's so great to be freed. This is how it feels to be free. The load is off, the guilt is gone, and you have to extend that to yourself so that the pain of regret can be diminished. Learn from your mistakes so you don't go that way again, of course. Psalm 32.1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Oh, my goodness. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Somebody covered my breakfast yesterday. I don't know who it is at the men's breakfast. Someone covered my bill for my breakfast. My chorizo amuleto, pardon my poor Spanish. <laughs> but Christ covered our sin debt. 
Isn't that good? We're blessed. Can we say I'm blessed? This verse is quoted in Romans 4, 7 and 8. Luke 23, 34, the greatest phrase in the gospel. Christ is hanging on the cross. He's been slandered. He's been mocked. He's been ridiculed. He's been stripped. He's been tortured and beaten. He's been robbed. He's been disrespected. And his response is, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. They knew what they were doing, but they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know who he was. Their unbelief caused them to do what they did. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who's grateful that we come into that blessing through the offering of Christ. We celebrated that in communion today. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? None of us could stand. What are our iniquities? It's the condition of our heart before we commit the transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, wounded for the transgressions. Tell someone he's got you covered. This is not a license to sin. This is a loosing from sin. Verse 4, But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared, that you may be respected. He is worthy of it all. Can I get an amen? amen? Jeremiah gets in on this in his prophecy about the new covenant. He said, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Daniel 9, verse 9. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. In spite of us, God made the way. In spite of Abraham's doings, as Aaron so eloquently shared earlier in the service. He initiated a relationship with that man. That's our heavenly father. But he wants us to be forgiving. He wants us to be like our dad. Acts 13, 34, he's our heavenly dad, our heavenly father. Paul is preaching the gospel, and in his sermon he says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. It's not popular to talk about sin. It's popular to have pep talks in church. But sin, oh, don't you use the sin word. I'm telling you, you gut the gospel when you take that out. If you don't think the world has a sin problem that needs to be addressed, read the newspaper. I don't care if it's a left-wing rag or a right-wing paper. It is... Sin is at the heart of all our messes, especially in Texas. Ephesians 1.7, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Somebody said, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Colossians 1.13, Paul wrote about Jesus. He has delivered us 
from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Can we say this is a primary priority? 1 John 1, 9, oh, we love this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You got to confess the sin and He will forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Maybe there's someone here stuck in a pattern. You find yourself repenting of the same sin. Well, God will be more relentless than you and forgive you every time. But if you really want to be cleansed of all unrighteousness and enjoy the joy of the fulfillment of this, go deeper in your confession. Maybe your outbursts of anger that's happening a lot, maybe that's not the root of the issue. Maybe there's fear or there's anger at God or there's unforgiveness in your heart. You repent of that and you'll experience the joy of being cleansed. Second point, there are blessings in being forgiving. When you set someone free, guess what? You set yourself free. In primitive cultures, sometimes the punishment for murder was to tie the dead body to the murderer. And the murderer would eventually decay. It was a smelly, messy experience. But eventually the death that was in his victim would kill him. Those of us that are wrestling with unforgiveness, get that image in your mind. If you won't let things go, what are you connecting yourself to? The past. You're not going to enjoy the present. It's going to diminish your vision for the future because you're all mad about the past. Let it go. Little girls are singing it all over the world when they watch Frozen. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Who has grandkids that sing that? They just do it. There's a word from God in that for us. If he can talk through a donkey, he can talk through Disney. Can I get an amen? Matthew 6, 12, Jesus said in teaching us how to pray, our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Sin is a debt. So Lord, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Luke 6, 17. Judge not and you shall not be judged. That's the favorite verse in all the world. The rest of the Bible is blacked out for them. <laughs> Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You'll not enjoy the joy of being forgiven if you won't forgive. In Israel is a very rich place called the Dead Sea. Everything that comes into it just stays. It's dead. Nothing can live there. If you drink it, it could be deadly. That's like unforgiveness. Every hurt that comes into you stays. The Lord has forgiveness for you, but you won't enjoy it if you won't let those things go. This verse is often quoted during offering time. Verse 38 of Luke 6, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. What we give determines a proportion of what we receive. 
The context relates to forgiveness. When you forgive, you give before someone is worthy. You see that? Well, I'll forgive as soon as she cleans her act up. That's not forgiveness. That's aftergiveness. That's grudge holding. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Who wants to be completely forgiven and walking in joy? You'll get it in the proportion that you give it away. What's God doing here? He's calling us to maturity. That's what he's doing. Well, you don't know. You think that's going to hold water with the father? Do you know what they did to his son? The highest of insults is for someone to hurt your child. Is that not true? Slap me around, but slap my kids around? Oh, no, that's really hard to take. That happened. God used the ultimate sin to redeem all the sinners that would come to him in faith and receive and give what they freely received. Luke 11, back to the Lord's Prayer. In this version of it, according to Luke, includes these words, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The evil one is behind unforgiveness. He wants to trap you. There's another verse in the epistles that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The sun goes down on your wrath and you haven't reconciled, you may not be able to sleep well. And you'll begin to get attacked with thoughts that you think are coming from you. What's happened? The devil has a place, an opening to shoot those darts. John 20, 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. The context is Christ is risen from the dead He's showing himself alive by many infallible proofs. And he approaches some disciples and breathes on them. And says these words, receive the Holy Spirit. Who wants that fulfilled in your life? Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. That's the authority to forgive. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is a double-edged sword. The authority to forgive sins is the authority to hold unforgiveness in your heart. And guess what? You will reap the consequences. Have you ever said, I'll never be like my dad based on bitterness you have in your heart? And then, lo and behold, you got your turn when you had kids. Look in the mirror. What is that? That is sin that has been retained. Who wants to stop retaining sin? You got to let it go. H.P. Charles Jr., an African-American pastor on the East Coast, said this, sin is an unpayable debt we owe to God who has forgiven our sin debt through Jesus Christ. God's forgiveness is full and free, faithful, and givable. We take what we've been given and we give it away. We must forgive others because unforgiveness is too costly and painful. 
It is sinful and wicked, and it is torture. Unforgiveness, somebody wiser than me said, is like a poison that we drink hoping somebody else dies. Don't tune me out. You've probably heard this sermon a million times, but you know what? It's going to keep coming around every now and then because God is after our hearts. Third point, there are curses in being unforgiving. I'm just reading scriptures, guys, and the context really drives a point home to all these verses. Some people say, well, I don't want to be cursed. I don't believe we're cursed. Okay, well, let's edit it for you. There are no blessings in being unforgiving. None. I'm glad I'm holding this grudge, boy. I wouldn't be a millionaire today. That doesn't happen. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14, notice Jesus is saying a lot of this stuff. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's what the book says. I don't care if a reverend with more degrees than a thermometer disagrees with me. It's what the book says. I'm out of this thing. It's Jesus. Matthew 18, 35. We read this earlier. We saw it dramatized. Jesus said, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So if we have unforgiveness in our heart and we're tormented, what does God have to do with that? He just backs off on the protection side of things and lets, lets it happen. Not that you've tied his hands, it's that he won't babysit unforgiveness. He won't coddle bitterness. He won't. And when we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, he'll be right there to restore us. We repent of unforgiveness. There are no blessings in being unforgiving. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, we all love that verse. Have faith in God, for whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou cast in the midst of the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have the things that he saith. Yes. The next verse, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, anything against anyone, anything against anyone. There's no if, ands, or but. There's no parenthetical statement, or, and if they voted for the wrong person. No, anything. Forgive him. Ladies, you're part of the human race, mankind. Forgive her. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So mountain-moving faith is predicated on forgiveness. This is a foundational statement to the promises in verse 22, 23, and 24 in that chapter. But if you do not forgive, verse 25, 26, verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. He will be like, talk to the hand. You got some explaining to do. He went through great lengths to deal with sin. 
And either we believe Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, or we don't. If we do not believe this, we're playing church. Pat a cake in for Jesus. John 20, 23. This is it again. We just read this earlier. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's a promise and a warning. Can you say responsibility? Authority always comes with responsibility. Fourth and final point. Forgiveness involves exercising our faith. So we saw dramatization of a lengthy passage from Matthew 18. Here's another one from Luke 17. Watch this. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Verse 1 of Luke 17, he says, It is impossible that no offenses should come. The statement, I can't believe betrays the fact that you thought you would live in a friends-free life. That's not reality. People have blind spots. I have blind spots. You have blind spots. We have blind spots. Offenses happen. So more important than the having of offenses, it's the handling of offenses that's important. And if a person's relentless at it, you know, there's no blessing on him. And if he offends little ones, children... It'd be better for him that a millstone were tied around his neck than he's thrown in the sea. I love that picture. See the shark in the background? He says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. 
Well, the people I need to forgive won't repent. They haven't. So you're going to be held captive the rest of your life? Mark 11, 25 and 26, when you stand praying, forgive the sins of any. So whether they repent or not, we're supposed to forgive them. But here, he's talking to the disciples who are going to offend each other. He says, if your brother, that's the one who can hurt you the most. Who knows? People close to you can really hurt. A uh, stranger can curse you out, and it can almost be laughable sometimes. But someone close to you, ooh, man, that hurts. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. How How did the disciples respond to this? They said, increase our faith. Do you think they changed the subject because they didn't want to hear it? No, it related to the subject. Seven times in a day? I can't fathom doing that. I I can't obey you like that. Lord, increase our faith. That's what we're doing here today. We're attempting with the word to increase our faith. And the Lord says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you've got one taped to the sermon notes today, you can say to this mulberry tree, some Bibles say sycamine tree. It was actually a black mulberry tree that grew there. Say to the mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. What is he talking about? He's talking about forgiveness. You have authority to command unforgiveness to be uprooted out of your heart. And when you do this, you don't deserve a merit badge because what he said, which of you having a servant that's working for you and you have him out working in the field and then you have him come in the house and prepare you dinner and tell him he can eat after your dinner and he does that and then he eats, you don't owe him a thank you because he's doing what you hired him to do, what you paid him to do, what he was indentured to do. This saints, this forgiveness issue is the least of what we're required to do. There's far bigger chicken to fry. I know it's big to you, but God wants to set you and I free today. And it doesn't take much. Faith like a seed, a little mustard seed, is all it takes to blow that tree of unforgiveness out of your life. And when you've done this, you're going to be blessed. The servant, having done what he was hired to do, paid to do, indentured to do, eventually would be freed, according to the economy of that time. That was his blessing in the making. Who wants to be blessed? Want to be blessed. This is the key to having our giving blessed. Some churches do a 90-day guarantee. You tithe for 90 days, and if God doesn't bless you, you give your money back. Well, we've never done that here because it won't work if a person has unforgiveness in their heart. Why? God loves a cheerful giver. Not just cheerful to give, but cheerful to live. It's the truth. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, 
be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. If you have something in your heart that you need to forgive, I want to pray and lead us in a prayer. Can we do that? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I don't want anybody lying. <laughs> you know, you can lie by not raising your hands. So, There's something in your heart you need to let go of. Can you just put your hands on your heart? Put them both on your heart. Let's look to the Father. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we want to be free. Help us, Lord, to set others free. Thank you, Lord, that the sin that was committed against us is over. And Lord, I pray for those who are being wounded right now. Lord, if it's illegal, I pray, Lord, we would call the law and get justice served in Jesus' name. But Lord, if it's the past, I pray, God, that it would be gone today in Jesus' name. Lord, with just a little bit of faith in you, we know that you can do the impossible. It's impossible to command physical trees to be uprooted with our voice and thrown into the water. But Lord, with you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, we speak to this unforgiveness right now, and we command it to be uprooted. May it not develop a root of bitterness and defile many. Set us free in Jesus' name. All right, can we say this together? Raise one hand with the other hand on your heart. Say, unforgiveness, you've got to go. With my faith and my mouth, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. You have no place in me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that your grace would come in and flood the places in our hearts where this stuff has taken up residence. Lord, I pray that you would restore sweet sleep to your children and that, Lord, we would remember to put our armor on at all times. Help us, Lord, to speak the truth always, but to speak it in love. Give us ears to hear those who may come to us who are maybe even in this room with an offense that we uh, supposedly have committed. Lord, help us to hear. The person's hurt. We've hurt them. If they say it, then we've done so. So, Lord, help us to hear, not explain away, not repel, not rebound, but to fully hear and fully embrace what we've done. And, Lord, to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And, Lord, I pray that the offended party would let it go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may have to pray like that tomorrow. When it comes back up and starts bothering you, command it to go. Jesus said, When an evil spirit leaves a person, he'll leave for a season and then come back and find your house swept and garnished. He'll go get seven of his buddies and come back in, and you'll be eight times worse than you were before. So we've run that stuff off. Keep it run off. In Jesus' name, amen. What has happened is ruts sometimes get worn into our minds and into our thought life, and it's just really easy to go there to the place of prejudice, to the place of resentment, to the place of regret, to the place of bitterness, place of unforgiveness, the place of 
I want justice when you really want vengeance. Let it go, folks. The story of the Hatfields and McCoys is real, not just folklore. Study that if you need to. They kept fighting for justice, and it became more and more revenge. It's unbelievable what those families did to each other, living in two separate states. May that not be your legacy, because little ones are watching us. Amen? Maybe all your exes live in Texas, and you want to move to Tennessee. Pray about that. The Lord can make way if that's what he wants you to do. But forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. This has made very real to us recently. We crossed paths again with someone that had been part of the congregation here 25 years ago in another location. Caused unbelievable problems. And when evacuated, we were glad. We asked for apologies and never happened. Now it's 25 years, right? So we crossed paths with him again. We had to call our pastor, seek counsel. He said, pray blessings upon that person for seven days. And if you still got a problem, then you have to go bring this up to the person. See, unforgiveness will make you a petty person. You imagine having to go to somebody, something happened 25 years ago. But if you need to, it's worth it. It's worth it. Man, we feel nothing but good about that person. And then at Gateway, sometimes we watch their early service before uh, their Saturday service on Sunday morning when we get ready. Sermon by R.T. Kendall called Forgiveness. It's one of the most profound messages on the story of Joseph I've ever heard. I've listened to it three times. I've listened to it a couple times. It is life-changing. So to help drive home our freedom, hallelujah. Why do people become offenders? Sometimes because of unforgiveness. You judge, you'll be judged. You become just like the person you heard at. God wants us to be free. Amen. Can we stand? Some of us have homework to do, and we're not going to pray it off of you. It's your assignment. Do it. You won't feel better till you obey. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Peace that is not based upon compromise. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that is based upon Calvary's conquest. He died for the sins of the world. John the Baptist said it best. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that includes our forgiveness. God bless you. Amen.